you don't got the intro, the intro music. Huh? You don't got the intro music going. The intro music. Yeah, you need an intro and outro. Intro and the outro going. That'd be sick. Welcome <laughs> to the podcast. That actually kind of fire. No, but on a serious note, <laughs> uh, welcome guys to the Juice Box. We got the Athletic Podcast, the Baseball Development Show. We're here with Max Tracy. What's going on, guys? How you doing? Max, uh, we're gonna dive into Max's career, baseball career here. He's got a lot of, a lot of insight, a lot yeah. of cool, unique. Got a lot to share. Oh yeah, a lot of places. Um, so I, uh, we actually went to the same high school here. That's how we know Rolando. Um, Norcross. Yeah, it's Norcross High School. And then we went to the same uh, junior college as well up in uh, Baltimore, Maryland. At yeah. CCBC there. Go uh, Knights. Went to the World Series there. That was pretty cool. That was sick. I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, we we'll, kind of brush over that. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, no, I just went to the World Series. No big deal. Uh, ended poorly, but yeah. Then I um, went to a different junior college after that. Uh, back down here in Georgia. I went to West Georgia Tech. And then um, I ended up going to Savannah State University after that and graduated from there uh, after two years. So. And that's only 5% of the journey. Yeah. And so after that, we get into the uh, independent pro ball world. Were you like 100% set on, I'm going to play pro ball no matter where? <laughs> Nowhere near. I uh, first was just done and I didn't know what to do because um, I graduated uh, twenty. One and so I was right. Last two years were just a straight COVID years, so um, they ended up cutting our season short both years. So I would have had two more years of eligibility in college to play if I wanted. <laughs> um, so after school, I ended up getting a job, a serving job at a nice restaurant in Atlanta. I was just working there, and the plan was to go back to school the next year um, and get a master's degree and uh, play as well at another college in Georgia. Um, but yeah, then I just started looking at master's programs costs and was already in a good bit of debt and I was just like yeah I don't think this is really the route for me and then by the time you know I put together all that and realized all that I was very very late um coming into like the independent pro ball world and I really just had no clue anything about it whatsoever honestly um, what time of the year was this in? uh probably towards like December nah this would have been like January February by the time I actually quit my job and started getting back into working out and Started to like find some tryouts. Uh, started training with another facility near here, um, over at High Performance, and then yeah, they just got some. They knew about some tryouts and stuff, so I went to those, and then met a um, dude down in Florida who played out in the Pecos League out there, and he was like, "Man, like it's it's a tough league to play in. You're not gonna get much money, but at the end of the day, you're gonna be playing baseball. You're gonna get some stats out there. Like yeah. you're gonna start your you know professional career." Um, and so, yeah, I, you know, got the number of that dude, got the coach's name, hit up the coach, told him I was going to come out there, and then, you know, proceeded to look for other options as well. But, um, yeah, I didn't end up finding anything else. So I went out there to Cali and played out there in uh, Santa Rosa. Um, the Santa the Pecos League. This is, yeah. this is where we get into the meat so, of them. The Pecos League. So, uh, for, pe- for people that don't know back home, and even me, because I'm not fully, like, knowledgeable on this on the subject, but... What's kind of like not just a hierarchy of the independent leagues, but kind of how does how do the independent leagues work? Yeah, so the independent leagues they kind of stem from the partner leagues. So the partner leagues are 
um, four leagues that are like partnered with the MLB. Um, so they kind of feed into those minor league teams. That's where the minor league guys get majority of their dudes from. Okay. So up at the top, um, by the top, I mean, there's the American Association and Atlantic League. Um, they're kind of up there because they have like a cap on the amount of rookies that they're allowed to take. Whereas they have to have a minimum amount of like pros. So the more years you are playing pro ball, the more you move up. Um, so I think you go from rookie to like pro to like senior or something like that. Okay. Um, and so those top two leagues are only allowed to have like two rookies on the team. And then that there's the two other bottom leagues, the Frontier League and the Pioneer League. And they both require like a minimum amount of rookies. So those are more tailored for younger guys who are still just starting out their pro careers. And then they take the step. Yeah, if, so if they'll either take – a lot of dudes will sign from the younger partner leagues as well, straight to, like, MLB organizations and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, and then below that, there's a few other independent ball leagues um, that I'm aware of that most of them are partnered with one of the partner leagues. Mm-hmm. So I know, like, the Pecos League out there in um, California as well as the Mavericks League out there in Oregon is partnered with the um, – Pioneer League, because that's also out there. Okay. And then um, there's the Empire League over here, which is partnered with the um, Frontier League. That's New York. Yeah, that's like northeast up there. Um, and yeah, they're partnered with the Frontier League, and they actually have the Empire State Grays um, okay. in the Frontier League as well. So that's a really good kind of platform to move over, starting in that league to get Yeah, it's like it's team. like a minor league system, basically. For yeah, so then all that just keeps working down, and then... There's also like the overseas and different countries aspect as well. So, you know, there's um, leagues in Canada as yeah. well. Um, I can't remember what the name of that one is, but then there's also a league in Mexico, like the LMB. Yeah. And that's then there's about. so much summer ball in like Europe and um, over there as well. I know Germany, Spain. Yeah. Um, there's there's Italy. there's baseball out there to be played for exactly. sure. Exactly. So, so it's just about finding the opportunities. So you found the opportunity in the Pecos League. Yeah. Um, so how and was that? So the last um, first season out there, I was on a first year team, and it was just it was the bottom of the barrel for sure. It was a grind. Um, we had a manager. He wasn't didn't have much baseball knowledge. wasn't much of like a businessman either. So he didn't really find us any host families. Um, didn't know how to get people into the. Didn't know how to get fans to the games. Yeah. Didn't do any extracurricular stuff to get the word out there that we were like, you know, a new team in the area. So we didn't get much money of anything. And I was just kind of paying hotel to hotel with like three guys out of my own pocket. So Sheesh. I definitely lost a good, good chunk of change. Um, having a three, four month season out there, just paying for my own living and food and everything like that. And not even really getting much of a dime um, in pay out there. Um, yeah, so it was tough, but like I said, I balled out, you put up with the grind and you get those professional stats out there and, you know, you start adding to your resume. Yeah. I mean, at this point you gotta like, you gotta really love the game or like have a desire to continue Mm -hmm. because like you said, you're, it's not, you're not on buses even or like getting fed. You're traveling all on your own dollar, you're carpooling with your teammates, all that, so um but and, yeah. how far do you guys what's the furthest trip you guys have to make um so i was in the california division they have the shorter drives but we were still the furthest drive was probably about seven hours that year um all the way down to like a bit south of la okay um from north of san fran so how was the how was the area just like because i mean i guess i guess that's like a cool part you know, yeah so i was up 
Santa Rosa is really close to a wine region like Clare Valley. Okay. So it was really like cool area out there. Um, really nice weather. I do enjoy the weather out there, at least up north, northern Cali for sure. Um, no rain. Love that. Um, and yeah, but I was just staying so busy with baseball. We were playing five, six, seven games a week. I didn't get much chance to really so explore. It was a full, full plate. bar out there. Yeah. So they kept us busy. What was the daily daily schedule like? Um, you know, wake up, get food. Like I said, we were most likely in a hotel. Um, so we'd, sometimes we get hotel breakfast, sometimes not. You normally have to be at the field like two or three ish. Um, typically four to five hours before the game. Okay. You have a little practice, do defense work, and then hit BP on the field, and then you know you get your break and come back um, for the game hour hour and a half before game time after that. And that was typically games every day. You know, if we didn't have a game, we were just trying to take advantage of any rest day we could and just yeah. chill and not do anything because, yeah, it was just tough not having access to, like, a gym, trainers, not being able to, like, have a good diet, a good, healthy, stable diet. Um, so is it very, like, college-like? Or, like, did you feel like you were not regressed as a player, but just, like, in just, like, the lifestyle thing? Like The, the life's definitely regressed in lifestyle and just health. Um, physical health definitely took a toll on the mental health doing all that every day there would be days where you know you'd go play a game and then you get done at like nine ten o'clock and you're like where am I going to sleep tonight because yeah. you just traveled four or five hours and didn't have time to book a hotel or whatever and so you gotta like either just sleep it in the car or you go and go around a bunch of hotels and hope that they have a room available or whatever but yeah, so that was tough. Uh, just putting up with all that mentally and physically. Like I said, you're just spending the majority of your time in the car traveling, and you don't have time to go to the gym. You don't have a gym membership. If I didn't have my own personal car, take me to the gym either. Um, and then you don't have a kitchen in the hotels or anything like that, so you're eating out. majority of your meals, you're on the road, you're eating out. So, yeah, it's just not a, not a very healthy lifestyle out there. You really got to love the game, and you're just out there to be – playing the game and get those stats and you go there to see what you're made of you know see yeah. what your stats are see if what you can compete with um and just work on your swing get those live avs get those reps yeah so i mean if you as far as people who have just finished college um and you know they don't they don't know whether they want to continue on with the baseball journey i would say go while you can like i had to think about this all a few years ago you're not going to be able to come back five years later, two, three, four years later after not doing anything and be like, oh, like I missed the game. I want to come back and, and play and try to get back into it. Like you're not going to be able to do that after you've been away from it so long. So, you know, while you're into it, while you're just, you know, in the flow of things, young, healthy, and been working on it already, go for it. You know, all those, all the, all those other jobs will always be there for you at the end of the day. But go ahead and, like, pursue your career while you can. And if you don't know anywhere – so that you can go play, it's most likely because you just haven't researched enough or looked enough or you don't know enough people, like, surround yourself with the baseball players and you'll find places to play. It's all about the connections. But if you don't think you have the talent to get anywhere with a MLB organization or one of those partner leagues or anything like that, then I highly recommend going to the Pecos. Like I said, it's a good place to start, get some development, learn a bit, learn from your teammates, um, and you get those stats and you – just get yourself your foot in the baseball world. Get, get so, it under your belt. Yeah. If you don't hear that, if you don't have the talent level yet, and you don't have the connections, 
We got it here. Just DM us. Shoot us a DM. Yeah. Let's go. They all, this podcast all is brought leagues. to you by Athletic Baseball. <laughs> um, yeah, no, all these leagues have tryouts and stuff, too. They're all on Google. Just find the tryouts. You show up there and you get a spot. Do you, like, what's, uh, what's like, a, a story that's, like, damn, this is the Pecos League for you? God, I had so many of those this past season. Um, it's just, like, a... It's like a series of unfortunate events almost every week that happen. Um, there was one game where we showed up, just traveled like an hour and a half, two hours, and we get to this field, and it's probably the nicest stadium like that they had in the league that I would have played at out there. And so, you yeah. know, I was really happy. Um, the old minor league stadium. And we get to the dugout, and there's just wasps everywhere, hundreds Bro. of them. Like, <laughs> and there was a whole wasp nest on like one side of the dugout. And just wasps everywhere, and the thing was probably like the size of like my body, like the the nest. Damn. Yeah, so it was massive, and you could tell it's it had to have been building up for months. Like that doesn't just appear overnight. I just don't get how they didn't see that. The team before that didn't say anything. I don't know. So drove that couple hours right back home, and then they, they canceled had, the game. Had, like yeah, immediately? Canceled well, I mean, it. obviously and then we had to come back there the next day and make it up. So that was cool. And then, yeah, that's just one of the stories. There's plenty of uh, water difficulties, electric difficulties. What do you mean uh, water difficulties? You there's poison the times water? at our field where uh, we would, you know, turn the sprinklers on before the game, start watering the field right after uh, the dirt and stuff, and then some couple of the sprinklers don't want to turn off at times. And so we, there was one game we had to delay, like an hour and a half, and then we ended up starting it. But we just put pounds of dirt on top of a puddle, and it was just the unsafest conditions I've probably ever played in, honestly. And then, um, yeah, so that happened another time where none of the sprinklers would go off and we had to just cancel the whole game. Electric difficulties, you know, our lights. Um, we would play, I was in Bakersfield that second year, and we probably averaged 110 degrees every day, at least 105. So we had we played games at um, 8 p.m. at our field. Same with the sun would set, like, right behind the field so you just couldn't play till the sun was down anyway you wouldn't be able to see as a hitter um and so yeah we would have a lot of light difficulties uh there was one game where the lights just all slowly started dimming like going out one by one not the whole thing but individual lights in each one and then eventually it was just like super dark and they're like all right we're gonna pause the game uh we're gonna turn the lights back we're gonna turn the lights off and then we you know turn them back on later uh like immediately and we'll continue playing and Turn the lights off. We all go wait. I think they ended up doing some fireworks or something while they waited for the lights to come back and on. Impromptu fireworks. Yeah, impromptu <laughs> fireworks. This is went to the store next door, got some fireworks. Uh, yeah, because they said the lights are just t- going to take a while to heat back up. So we did some fireworks, and then we're all just chilling in the dark, and fireworks end, and the lights just don't come back on. And, you know, we start asking around, and they're like, yeah, the lights aren't working. Not going to happen canceling the game we'll have to make up the rest later and same thing another game like we played two three innings then the one <coughs> pole light pole right by home plate like went out and so it was like one half of the plate would be dark over here light over here and so i like hitting it in the second or third inning and i could just see like half of a white ball and then like half of a dark ball it looked like the moon like the yeah. light side and dark side of the moon but uh, yeah, so then they're like, all right, we're going to pause the game real quick, and we're going to turn all the lights off and turn them back on, and then 
the second they said that, I was like, I've seen this story before. Been here before. I've done this and veteran of the game. You that know, point. they turned him off, and sure enough, never came back on. Rescheduled that game for later. Well, and if you wanna, if you wanna get attacked by bees, um, oh yeah, do you wanna hit on the moon? Pecos League, Pecos League <laughs> yeah. is for you. But um, yeah. So so are you you going back or what what's the plan? Well, now after summer ball is winter ball, so I'm actually gonna be going to Australia uh to play winter ball out there. Technically it's their summer over there, opposite side of the world. Um so yeah, I'll be out there six months. I actually went out there last year as well. Um and yeah, I got the opportunity out there because um, someone on my team that I played with in the Pecos was, he played out in Australia like three, four years ago. Um, he found out that I was half Australian as well. And he was like, yeah, any team would like love to have you because you wouldn't count as an import. They all have import rules and restrictions, the amount of guys you can bring. But um, instead, all they did was pay for my like certificate of to get my um, citizenship. Yeah, my citizenship over That's there in Australia. Sick. And then That's I just sick. didn't count as an import. So. I'm probably likely to just keep going back there for winter ball. Um, Did you have yeah. to take it like a citizenship test? No, nah, there's no test or anything. <laughs> no uh, test just because my dad, probably because my dad was Australian, so I was by descent. I could get my citizenship, yeah. and yeah, that's like another way to get good opportunities. You know, if you have a certain descent, and they got baseball in that country, hit them up because you won't count as an import, so you can get over there for no cost compared to what they'd have to pay for other guys and get their visas and all that to get them over there. So And you could qualify for the national team, couldn't you? Yep, definitely. That would be a good uh, – it's definitely a goal to get to. Just playing for Team Australia would be dope. Yeah, that would be sick. So life, better, life in Australia was definitely better in terms of baseball. For sure. Way. They all have better facilities. Um, you know, everyone knew everybody in the baseball world, so it was a lot friendlier. Um, and it's just not as dense or crowded of a – like thing baseballs i guess somewhat new it's only been around like the last 100 years only getting big the last like 10 20 years over there in australia okay so there's yeah there's just one to maybe like 50 baseball players here to like baseball players over there um but they'll still get all the really good talent in the abl over there in their top leagues and stuff most of those dudes in the abl are in like single a double a with the mlb organization somewhere um even yeah, AAA and some guys in the MLB as well. Um, yeah, so it's just a lot. I think a cooler avenue over there to work up um, all the levels and stuff like we talked about. It's much simpler to work up over there, and you also you know get to travel, experience a new country. Yeah. And I was over there six months. We were only playing like once a week, practicing once or twice a week. Um, so I just had a lot of time to go explore, visit everything, travel to Sydney, Melbourne. Um, all around Adelaide, uh, saw all the beaches, wineries, and some nature preserves, all that. So it was just such a good time, such a cool experience. And any opportunity you get to play overseas anywhere, I highly recommend it because it just gives you a whole different perspective on, you know, what life is like outside of the U.S. Because yeah. we're so stuck to in our ways here in the U.S. And um, you know, we assume that like. All the governments are like how it is. Mm -hmm. we are here and all the rules apply over there that they do here. And, you know, we don't really get that perspective of how other countries live and what people are like from other countries. So, What was the biggest culture really shock cool. for you? Honestly, people, people culture-wise, people over there are just so much friendlier. Like I got there on a Thursday. I was a kid's, um, went to practice, dude, teammates, birthday on Friday. Whole team's going out 20-something of us deep. 
um, even all of them, some of them had families and everything. They're leaving their families and they're like, we're going out to hang out. Yeah. And I had at least six, seven, eight dudes offer me like their home to stay in if they, if I needed, because um, mm-hmm. the first hopes family they put me in wasn't the best situation. Okay. Um, yeah, they were just kind of older on oxygen tanks and not the cleanest house, and they were also like vegans, and so mm-hmm. I they didn't have the dietary needs for yeah, me. Yeah, and, yeah, so that wasn't good. So I was just I was telling all my teammates, you know, a bit about that, and they all just offered on the spot and. Um, yeah, it's just a different culture over there. Everyone's friendlier. Everyone's more in tune with nature and focused on their health and, um, you know, just helping everyone, others around them because it stems down from the people on top. You know, the government over there is giving you free health care and um, making all these rules and stuff so that you become the best person you can be and you live a healthy life and it benefits everybody. Um, so, yeah, that whole culture is just kind of brought down to people as well and everyone helps each other so friendly. It's way different to over here, where it's like you can't even really approach a random stranger without <clears throat> being, you know, scared of getting confronted yeah. about something. Or Sense of danger. if you just talk to a random person on the street, they would be like, "Why are you talking to me?" Yeah, you know, it'd be like, "What do you want?" Um, I feel like that's yeah. common with like, like you're saying, other cultures, especially like the Hispanic culture. Yeah. So I think that was definitely the biggest culture shock over there for sure, and it was big. What was it like being like the? Were you seen as, like, the, even though you didn't count as an import, did, were you seen as, like, the import guy? Oh, yeah, for sure. How was I that, think, like? Um, honestly, I think not being an import, but still being, like, a new guy import over there probably got me even more attention because everyone just wanted to know, like, my story. So like it was how, positive. Yeah, they were like, how are you Australian? How did you find us? Like, <laughs> how are you what's your story, you know? <laughs> like, they were like, how'd you get your citizenship? What's going on, man? So, you know, I actually, my dad was from like an hour away from where I played at. And so okay. I, when, I, when I told everyone where my dad was from and they all just knew, they're like, wow, like that's crazy. And they asked how I found out about the get out, got out there and stuff and how the coach found me. And I was like, I actually reached out to you guys. Like I reached out to four or five clubs out there and he was the only one that got back to me. So you got to reach out. Go. You got to make the connections yeah. happen. If you don't ask, sure. if you don't ask, you never get it. Worst they can say is no. Closed so, mouths don't get ask. fed. Exactly. And yeah, and that was just such a great experience out there for sure. That you know, I'm going back to do that in about a month or so, I'm heading back to the same club to play out there again, and I'm just super excited for it. So, what's the goal? Like, go back out there and what? Um, I mean, obviously have a really good season. Um, you know, I talked a bit about the density of the players here versus over there. So I'm honestly almost looking as that season as my main season over there because I'm playing in front of the ABL um, coaches and stuff, they're at just about every game, every other game um, watching. So there's that alley where I'm right below the ABL. They're already looking. There's a bunch of players in my league already that are playing in the ABL. And then all those ABL coaches are in some MLB organization when they go, they go back and forth between Australia and then come up to American coach. And then they just are always in season coaching somewhere. So ABL is your top league. Yeah. The ABL is top league out there in Australia. And yeah, so it's just such like a much less levels to work up. And um, yeah, I'm already playing in front of those MLB uh, caliber coaches. And so obviously the plan out there is to just have, you know, a good breakaway season, hopefully get called up to one of those ABL teams. Because um, I saw it happen with like three or four dudes in that league that just left in the middle of the season to go play with the ABL team. Um, they got flown out and everything. So 
yeah, that'd be one of the goals. But, you know, at the, at the end of the day, if not, made the connections last year. I'll just make those connections with the ABL team there stronger. Met the coach, met the manager. They all know me. Um, so, yeah, it'll just be a matter of trying to, you know, perform a bit better for them. And um, last year I was more treating that like a vacation almost, just having fun. I was in a new country exploring, um, had all this time to – all this free time that – I would go like to the beaches or go mm-hmm. do stuff instead or of you know win go some to, win yeah. some gold medals. Yeah, <laughs> so I ended up running um, well, it's like professional, semi-professional track as well. Give a little um, history on like yeah. yeah in Australia. So I ran a uh, track for two years in um, high school, so a long time ago, and I actually got trained by an old <clears throat> um, Olympian as well and so yeah I went out the track that first day and we were just running hundreds and got our times and that first day I was out there I ran the fastest time of everyone on the team and so the one coach comes up to me and he's like you know like what's your experience you ever in track before or anything and I'm like no like I just played baseball and you know I did football and basketball a little bit um but yeah I was like no I just like had speed from athleticism and stuff and then he literally just saw that my potential I guess and took me under his wing and would take me to like his own private facility and we would train and get film and work out like two three times a week and he ended up like over summer when school was out we would go to indoor track meets and he would just drive me around but really the whole southeast when I'm north of it as well take me to different meets take me to meet different people make those connections all that so um yeah he really took me under his wing and trained me for like two years and then I ended up getting an injury in um, high school. I fractured my fibula and my calf out here. Um, and that kind of put me out of track, but that was what I was going to do in college. I had a good bit of offers in track, and I was ranked like the third fastest kid in the state of Georgia there. So Let me tell you guys something. Max did not <laughs> run track. Max smoked. Like It was so yeah, funny yeah. because it's like, you know, Max, like we were on the same team. We are playing baseball. And then you just post that Instagram video. Of you absolutely smoking people, like yeah. running track, and I'm like, I was doing track and baseball, so I would just do. I'd have two weight training classes, and first period weight training, I'd go get my lift in, and then seventh period was my next weight training, and I'd just text my track coach every day and get the workout, and I'd go out seventh period weight training on the track and do my track workout, and then right after that, I'd get done, we go to baseball practice after school. That's so, insane. What was your time like? All. Um, so my fastest time in high school in the hundred was a ten six, uh, and then is I also ran the two hundred. Yeah, I also <laughs> ran the two hundred. I did a, I got a twenty one nine, and then <laughs> I did the um, four by one as well. We set the school record by a good bit. I, I think I set the school record in the hundred and two hundred as well um, back then. So yeah, so then I got that injury and just decided to go for baseball because it's a lot you know less stress on the legs I didn't get surgery or anything even though they wanted me all they're like you need surgery you need it um I didn't get it I was in a boot for like six months I'd put a boot on during school I don't know if you remember and then I'd like take it off at the end of the day go practice and like run and then I'd be wearing it show up to the game in a boot and then take it off and just wrap it up put a bunch of tiger bomb on my leg and saran wrap and then leg sleeve and this dude was built for yeah just to like you know finish that baseball career out or season out and get find somewhere to play in college because at the end of the day that was the main thing i want to do some sport in college to continue being an athlete and so i made the decision to go for baseball and i was really really late in that <clears throat> recruiting process and yeah the dude from baltimore um coach carter just called me 
randomly and so offered me some scholarship to go play up in Maryland. So when you got to Australia, you hadn't like you hadn't done track in how long? Uh, four years. Year. No, nah, it would have been like five, five at least, five or six that I like actually done track and it was just a crazy, crazy turn of events that I even started doing it out there. So I was at one of the ABL games watching and, you know, out there they have um, baseball clubs. So they have um, all ages, they have baseball players down to like T-ball all the way up to like grown men that are still playing and you all play for the same team, same club. So you get a real like family vibes and feel from over there which i really i really loved but so i was you know at the abl games and all the parents are over there talking to us like just wanting to know about us and buying us drinks and stuff um, nice. while we're watching the game and so i ended up telling them about um, my track experience because you know they asked me how i got so fast and stuff after the first couple games and i told them you know about my track experience how i trained under guy running the olympics and all that and it was like, oh, well, we have this, like, pretty big uh, semi-pro, like, kind of track thing out here. And um, we even got this one race, and it's, like, massive. And I was like, oh, you know, that's cool, but I probably won't even, you know, consider it. I'm out here for baseball. But he was like, yeah, but, like, first prize, you get, like, 20K. <laughs> and I was like, oh, 20,000, you 20 say, bands? to, uh, yeah, to run in some track meets. I'm about to start running <laughs> in Australia. I literally, uh took that and i was like all right so i went home and the next day i called the um the running league i guess and told them about me and they're like oh my god like we would love to have you out here just like that'd be so cool to have somebody not um like truly an australian running in the league with them so that was actually my nickname was the yank i guess that's what they, they call uh australians call us yanks over here so yeah the announcer would just be like the yank the yank he <laughs> takes it all Da, 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 and yeah um so you yeah so he he told me that i called this was probably two no this was like three weeks before the biggest track meet in that state so the the one with the twenty thousand. yeah he was like yeah it's coming up um so i called him the next day and i was like yeah um they were like you, you can come practice with us if you need they had their own little running club and then they're like, yeah, but you you just have to pay like five ten bucks to get signed up for the event and then you can come run and do all in that. In the big race. In the big race. Five bucks. Like, yeah. So, very like events. So I did two events, but yeah. Not not nothing. And <laughs> I ended up just going and buying a pair of track spikes over there. And I will just start doing my own sprints and, you know, doing some old training stuff that I would do on my own. And just trying to get back into shape. I think I had two practices with the, like, actual running club before the event. Because the practices overlapped with my baseball schedule a bit. So I can only go see them once a week, and yeah, I ran in um, one track meet before that big one because they said they wanted to figure out my handicap, and that was something that was new to me over there. Nobody starts like in a straight line; they all start at a handicap, so they're like staggered. Each person's like at a different, and then the start line ends up being like this. So if you're like slower, then you get a head start, basically. Oh, yeah, so, so everyone's crossing, staggered like you're this. You're all crossing the same same time. Yeah, oh, well, the same. finish line's the same, but we're all starting like diagonal oh. here, based on like times and past experience. I don't know. I hated it because it made the handicappers way too big of a factor. But you know, I was asking like, why do they do that? Why do they do that? Because it really kind of screwed me over my first meet because um, they put me in the very back never having any um they call it the novice mark it was just the very very back whoever had the 
lowest like handicap, they put you one meter behind them um, for your first time. And so that really kind of screwed me up the first meet, and I was just mad because I didn't even qualify for the finals in any of my um, events. And I was just like, how am I supposed to like catch all these dudes? And I'm like, four, five, six, ten, twenty meters behind them, like just depending on how fast they ran. And so. They said that, like, it's for sports betting purposes. I guess you're allowed to sports bet on the track meets there. And so the handicap's supposed to make it so everyone finishes around the same time. And so it's like a fair race, but really it kind of just punishes the faster people and yeah. gives the slower people opportunity to win. And, you know, normally I would be all for it, but when it comes down to, like, winning money and, you yeah, know, $20,000, is- I'm like, no, the fastest and dude who's trained the hardest – should be the one who wins it you know but yeah so they screwed me up that first meet but only was kind of a blessing because they figured out my handicaps moved me up a meter to i think they moved me up two meters in the um 120 so they don't run the 160 like they do here they run a 70 and they run 120 meter and yeah so they moved me up a couple meters in the 120 and then they moved me up like one meter in the 70 so i was still in the backpack like, but I just wasn't as far back from everyone. And the yeah. big, big track meet came around. and From the big day. Yeah, the big day came around. It was a two-day two, two day meet. And my first event was a 70 on the first day. And then luckily the 120 wasn't for the next, wasn't until the next day. And it's also different there because you have to run in like a heat and then like a, a either quarterfinals, semis, and then the finals. Mm-hmm. Or you run in like heat, semis, and then like the championship. Whereas... All my track experience here in the U.S. is like everyone just runs in their heats. You try to time, like put everyone's times. You try to put them in the same heat so it's like a decent race for the fans. And then whoever has the fastest time overall out of that one like race, that's who wins the gold medal. You don't have to run again. You just run your event one time. Whereas there I would have to run my event three, four times. Mm -hmm. And do you get like an hour, hour or two in between. So you go sit down, have a snack energy drink anything whatever gatorade and then you have to go back over there again 30 45 minutes and get all warmed up and get rewarmed up so yeah it was just a whole lot of running that i was not prepared for i think one one erase one event i would have been money like you know just get one good run out the way but i had to just keep going back and back so that first night was the 70 i um i got second place in the heats and then I destroyed everyone in the semifinals. I won by like three, four meters. It was it was pretty dope. And I was excited, like, oh my god, this is like real. Like yeah. I got a chance for that, for that for that money, you know? And yeah, so I go and get warmed up, da da da. And then I ended up having to they ended up rushing me at the end because that was my first real meet. You had to get like a different I guess jersey or whatever to wear because it's the finals. You get you had to go up to all the way over this like tent in the corner and get your jersey yeah. instead of like normally you have this clear one that everyone just brings. Yeah. You know, and they tell you what color you're wearing based on your lane, and that's what you get in. So they're all ready to start, and I'm just over here like in my looking at everyone like I don't have a jersey. <laughs> like where'd y'all get that? And then some dude's house, and he's like, "Yeah, you got to go over there to that tent." So the tent's like you ran to the tent. Yeah, I had to jog over like a hundred hundred and some meters to the tent rush back didn't get my warm-up and then didn't get my warm-up properly and they have like introductions for like another 10 minutes they like sit there go all the way down the line ask everyone like hey what's your name what's your story ask some questions interview us on the line right before the race (laughs) and then we we had to take pictures with like the mayor 
and like senators or something like it's like the- a bunch of pictures before the race <laughs> what the hell is with this? everyone and then yeah then we finally like all right you can like now jog down to the starts and I was like, all right, well, I've just stood around here for like 10, 15 minutes and done jack squat. Like, I was hot 15 minutes ago, ready to go. But anyways, I guess it was the same for everyone. So, and yeah, my legs were just kind of beat already at that point. But I still, um, you know, we ran. I got I got fourth place in that meet by like, we were all within 0.1 seconds of each other. And what, were the, what were the, what was the third place here? So, I think. First got like the 20k, second got like 10, third got like three, and then fourth place, the only I get like a 750. I was like, you know, it's better. (laughs) 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 Didn't even get to keep the jersey. You got to bring it back, (laughs) return it for the next one. Bro, yeah. I mean, I guess 750. It's better than. It's good. You know, I paid for all my costs for the track season and stuff, and. Just got my foot in the door, but man, I mean, literally, like finishing all four of us finishing within a distance of like this much is just like so brutal. And I was in the front too, out the first half of the blocks. I had everybody in the first like 30, 40 meters, and then I didn't see anybody next to me or feel anyone next to me. So I kind of, I didn't push myself as hard as I should have or would have. If you, there was someone like in front of me, then you got to chase. Then you're like, you're extra motivated to like get into them. But I was just in the front didn't see or feel anybody near me so i was like obviously we're running but didn't have that extra that, extra that motivation really yeah so i was coming like, off the wind by a mile too so yeah and then just last second they kind of oh. inching past me and then i still thought i got second and then the final scores come out a few minutes later and they're like fourth and i was like oh my god yeah just kind of disappointed me but i stuck with it um did like three or four more track meets um, I got first place in like two of them. They weren't as big, but you know, I still probably made three, four thousand in running track. Yeah, Did you make probably. more in track or in baseball? <laughs> I think I definitely made more in track, honestly. Um, yeah, my baseball pay was kind of at a minimum, but I had so much free time. I was giving lessons to all the kids and okay. everything in the club. Um, I probably had like eight, ten lessons a week, and I was able to charge a good bit out there, um, like fifty bucks for a half hour. Um, it was great. So you know, it was decent. Obviously, money's inflated over there. Yeah. So that in reality, you know, that's like twenty, thirty, thirty yeah. dollars an hour, Not American dollars. But cause... yeah, because you're you're bringing new experience that they never had over, um, over there before. Um, no, but that's fuck. Yeah. So I mean, Try. if you include you're gonna, those, you're gonna run the big race next year. It's the plan. But like I said, I was just in I was just in California bad. for for um. All that time, and I didn't get to work out, didn't get to stay in shape, didn't get anything. So when my it? legs are just out of out of time. Um, I didn't think it was till January, maybe. Oh, bro, yeah, December. Time. I have time out there to train for sure, and I might actually go to the biggest. Last year, I got invited to the biggest track meet in all of Australia. It's called the Stool Gift. Um, but that was like the third week of April and I was already due to be back like okay. before, like Would last you for that Yeah. So I'm considering it depending on what baseball opportunity I have this year, but first place for that is 50 K. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You gotta run so, that one. Yeah. I really just want to get my legs back right and I'll go train and do that out there. But obviously baseball is still my number one priority. Tracks got me injuries and yeah. they'll reopen all old injuries. So gotta prioritize. Definitely gotta get healthy first and get back into it. 
and I don't think I'll probably I probably just won't run any track meets until that big one yeah, comes along. Just train. Yeah. Think I, you think I can run? You think I should go over there and run? Does I mean, a, a seven like, five sixty translate pretty well? Just train for like a couple of years, and you'll be good. <laughs> a couple of years of training. Guys, catch yeah. me and Max. See, the I was big still, race. I was still like a six eight six nine kind of guy, bef- like in high school before my track coach started training me. What was your fastest? And then came down to like a six one nine was my fastest same time. Yeah, probably I'll probably be a six two, six three right around there right now. Alright guys, I'm not um, running this race this year. But yeah, you know, there's there's a form to running for sure. You know, it's all about what you know. Get that knowledge. Like I said, learning from an Olympian. Same thing in the baseball world. You learn from someone in the MLB, that's the real knowledge that you need to be finding and getting and yeah. um learning to get you get better in the baseball world. Step by step. Mm-hmm. Step by step, the Max Tracy story. That's sick, though. That's a, yeah. that's cool experiences. Like that's that's what comes out of just saying, you know what? I'm just gonna pursue. I'm just gonna pursue it. Like what I, I'm gonna try yeah. to do the best that I can do. And uh, you gain new perspective. You meet new people. You have a good time. And then whatever happens, happens. New things. And then yeah, that was just it was a blessing. Honestly, getting those track track legs back because it helped me out in baseball. Just mm-hmm. realized made me realize how poor shape i was really in baseball wise you can kind of get away with not keeping up with the cardio and the endurance in baseball because it's not much running you know you run the first run the first or second most running you probably do is if you're an outfielder you got to track a fly ball but apart from that you know it's all strength power Mm -hmm. balance um so yeah when i did start running track again i was like man i'm just out of it uh endurance wise and then that did end up helping me out with baseball more um yeah, just those the hot days. You just wouldn't get to you as much when you're in better shape. Um, and then especially when playoffs come around too, and we had two games on a Saturday and one game on a Sunday. Yeah. Hey, everyone's beat after the first game, got nothing, and then you still feel all right. Um, so yeah. That's cool. Though. So you you gained something. You gained something. Definitely. Yeah. Not twenty thousand, but. Yeah. Maybe next year. Maybe this year. Twenty and the fifty. Get that fifty k. Get that fifty k. Uh, we're going to go through the subscribers. Uh, so make sure you subscribe because when Max wins the $50,000 race, he's going to be donating mm-hmm. half of that to look <laughs> to the uh, American government when they have to pay yeah. it back on the exchange rate and stuff. Bring my money I guess, back. yeah, you're going to get tax <laughs> Yeah, that's... Dude, just stay over there. You get like half my money. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely plan on making one. I can get one since I got a citizenship. Yeah, I just have to apply for my tax payer number over there and stuff. I'll keep but... this out of the podcast. <laughs> Um, I appreciate that. I appreciate the insight. Um, best. I, f- I guess the only thing that's left is a final message to people out there, kids watching. Yeah. Um, now as far as baseball world, if you're playing, keep going. Just keep going as long as you can. I've had that doubt a couple of years ago, and I've run into so many people that have those doubts. Like, oh, I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I can keep playing. I don't know if I can go to the next level just keep going while you can you know you this is the only time you're gonna have that opportunity and i can guarantee you that if you stop you will miss the game like i've talked to countless guys who didn't end up keep going and they most of them end up getting jobs around the baseball world coaching or at a baseball facility or anything because they missed the game um so yeah just do it while you can and if you're gonna do it just go hard like not only in the gym you don't have to be the biggest strongest but Take advantage of your resources, man. Like all these videos out here, all these MLB guys are posting what they're doing. Um, all these pitchers, they're posting the mechanics that they're using. So, you know, if you're not training, 
um, the way that those guys are training. If you're not, if you don't know what you're trying to do with your throw or with your swing or anything, then honestly, you're just making yourself worse. So I highly recommend taking that time to just do your research, watch your videos, yep. learn the correct way to hit, to throw, to run like it was for me. You know, anything that you want to get better at, make sure you're learning the way that the pros are doing it because that's the only way. Otherwise, you're just making bad habits for yourself, which is a waste because I do feel like majority of my baseball career, I've been swinging wrong, been throwing wrong, and then, you know, you learn something new and you try to tweak it, but if you're not learning from, the, like, the best of the best, then what you're learning is most likely wrong or not the correct way to be learning it. So do your research, man, especially with all the technology out there, all these AIs and all this stuff nowadays. Um, like, I had an AI build me a workout program and everything like right. if i want to be the actually i want to be the best baseball player out there in the world what should i be doing and it tells me throwing program workout agility speed endurance and i was like make me a schedule and then it made me a schedule it was like weight training this day weight training this day i was like all right what should i be doing for weight training this day what should i be doing for speed and agility this day what should i be doing for endurance and then i had to just keep going and then that's the same thing you have it find you videos um of like just haters pitchers all that on Instagram, YouTube, all of these guys are posting what they're doing. Um, there's no reason that people out there should like. There's no, there is no more. Oh, I don't even know what to do. Like, yeah, like if you don't have a plan every practice, every game of what your swing should be, you don't know what your swing should be. You don't know what your arm slot is. You don't know how to throw. You don't know how to use your legs the correct way. That was the biggest thing I heard growing up. Use your legs. Use your legs. Use your legs. Use your legs when you throw. Use your legs when you hit. But how do I use my legs? Mm -hmm. Like, no one would ever show me the how. And then if they did, sometimes it just didn't feel right or it didn't, like, I felt like I had way more in the tank or I just wasn't using them properly. So it was only recently in the past couple of years where I was like, I need to just sit down and research and just watch all these MLB network videos, follow every, all these dudes on Instagram that I know, all the coaches, all the big hitters, like, everything that you can to just see what they're doing, what they're learning, and then... You just try it out, see if it works for you, see if it helps you. But at the end of the day, learning what they're doing is only going to make you better. And you can do that with every aspect of your life, every sport, every aspect of baseball, everything. So, yeah, yep. get you know what you're doing yep. for sure. Words of wisdom. Um, yeah. Words of wisdom from the boy, Mike Stracy, mm -hmm. the Yank. <laughs> Thank you, Hank. Appreciate you yeah. coming through, my boy. Yes, sir. Good That's seeing cool. you. Yep, good, cool hearing about the stories. Thank you guys for yeah. tuning in. Check us yeah. out, The Athletic Podcast, Baseball Development Show here on our YouTube, here in the Juice Box. We will see you next week. Yes, sir. Thank you. We got through it. Through, through the weather, the storm. Literally, there's a storm outside. Yes,